The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Good Morning New York. It is Tuesday, September 15th on a beautiful fall-like day here in New York City. I am your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live, as usual, from Blastoff Studios here in Times Square. So let's get to the news items first. Bells were tolling and tears were flowing as the nation marked a dark day in sorrowful yet hopeful ceremonies. Fourteen years ago last Friday, terrorists attacked four passenger planes and rammed two of them into the New York City's World Trade Center and a third one into the Pentagon outside of Washington, D.C. A fourth jetliner crash-landed on an empty field in Pennsylvania. Several American heroes took that plane down before it destroyed many more lives. By the time the carnage was over, the hijackers had killed 2,977 people in the deadliest terror attack on American soil to date. People, buildings and planes fell from the sky. Terrified strangers became friends as Americans united on a day that changed the world forever. Last Friday, a resilient nation looked to the future while remembering the past and paid tribute to the many lives lost on September 11, 2001. And we want to do the same thing here this morning and say God be with all of us. In other news, Keller Williams, New York City's Eric Barron, is no longer CEO of that residential brokerage. The real deal has learned last week. His departure, after four years at the helm of the growing franchise, was announced in a memo circulated within the company on Wednesday. Keller Williams is a great company with great people, Barron told The Real Deal on Thursday. It was a wonderful four years together, and I wish them nothing but the best. I'm looking forward to my next entrepreneurial adventure. Keller Williams confirmed the move on Thursday afternoon, saying we are very appreciative of Eric for his efforts, success, and leadership over the last three years. We wish him the very best in his future endeavors. Barron declined to share details of his next move, but he'll be focusing on a new venture known as Barron Realty Partners, and this we found out on the, his LinkedIn profile. Uh, he'll never say goodbye to New York City, that is. On the heels of selling his $34 million Soho penthouse, rocker John Bon Jovi closed a $12.9 million condo at Whitcoff Group's 150 Charles Street on August 27, according to documents that hit public records last Thursday. Bon Jovi went into contract in March of 2013 when the new development hit the market. His new pad has four bedrooms and four and a half bathrooms. Closing at Whitcoff's 150 Charles began in June, according to Street Easy. The 91-unit West Village condominium took only three months to sell out when it hit the market back in 2013, including a penthouse that was asking $35 million. And so it continues. Wow. Big names, big projects, big price tags. Despite being New York City's smallest borough, Manhattan development has clearly grown to outsized proportions during the current construction craze. 
Overall, developers here have more than 64 million square feet of residential development in the works, comprised of over 440 projects and an outstanding 47,285 units, all according to the Real Deal's analysis of building permits and offering plans filed between January 1, 2011 and July 31, 2015. If there was any doubt that Manhattan is where the big dogs play, the volume of construction here bested the next busiest borough, that is Brooklyn, by more than 20 million square feet. And Nora Jones is making her home in Brooklyn these days and a house made famous in the film Eat, Pray, Love. The pianist and singer is the mystery buyer behind the $6 million purchase at 172 Pacific Street in Cobble Hill last May. The townhouse, built as a fire station in, 18, in the 1840s, features a glassed-in greenhouse. The New York Daily News reports that Jones also owns a townhouse in the same neighborhood at 166 Amity Street, which she bought in 2009 for $4.9 million. She also sold a pad in Astor Place in 2013 for $6.7 million. A city with homeless on its streets is a city that has no love of its people. The so-called progressive view that people have a right to live on the sidewalk is not only legally devoid of any merit, but is inhumane, indecent, and dangerous. As is the case in many other policies, redistribution of wealth, social engineering, weak national defense, it's a contradiction to describe this stance as progressive. It should properly be regarded as retrogressive. People living on the street, urinating and defecating there, marked the dark ages of Western civilization. In a humane, decent, and civilized city, the problems of the homeless are dealt with through intervention rather than denial. These are the words of our former mayor, Rudolph Giuliani, as he wrote in the New York Post last week, creaming our current mayor, Bill de Blasio, on his lack of control in keeping the city clean and prosperous. The guns are out on that one, and we will see how it turns out. Meanwhile, Mayor de Blasio's proposal for dealing with the so-called issues of Times Square pedestrian plazas is to take a fresh look at them or, in plainer terms, consider getting rid of them. Still, the controversy rages on with New York... um, Police Department Commissioner Bill Bratton and other city officials backing a plan that would remove not just the topless women and costume superheroes from those public places, but to (laughs) remove the spaces altogether. But in the New York Daily News op-ed, Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer, along with several city council members, proposed an alternate solution. The proposal calls for the establishment of what the trio called Times Square Commons, a pedestrian-only chunk of land between 42nd Street and 47th Street that would be divided into three areas with different purposes. One section would be seating a cultural events, would be seating for some cultural events, another would be strictly for any activity involving the immediate exchange of money for goods, services, or entertainment, and a third oh. would be devoted to dedicated obstacle-free walkways. Do the topless girls get to go to the second one? I'm wondering what the second one means, to <laughs> say the truth. I, for one, say get rid of all of it, bring back our roadways. If you want to sit in a park, please go to Central Park or Riverside Park. Hallelujah. That's what it's all you, about. Sir. So good morning to my panel. How is everybody today? Feeling good. Good. Great, great day in New We York. have Rachel uh, Altschuler, Niall Lundgren, Phil Horrigan, and Ivy Ray with us this morning. Good morning again. How good is everyone? Morning. How are you, Vince? I'm pretty good, thank you. Not too How bad. How was your weekend? <clears throat> uh, busy, some family stuff, but okay, not too bad. How's your mom? She's very better, thank you. Good. Coming along. Who's on the phone? Rachel's on the phone calling in today. Yeah. She can't make it. Good morning, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Are you guys finding that it's a little slow with the Jewish holidays this week? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, yes. I'm very, very quiet. And what, what did anybody have open houses over the weekend? Because I, I'm not aware of any in my and me, my group or team, but I know it's been really, really slow the past four or five days. And yeah, holiday doesn't end until the end of today, right? People. 
Yeah, we had about eight people at one open house, 12 on another. So the serious fires are definitely out, uh, and holidays are usually like that in general. Um, but I'm finding that it's slower as far as the attorneys and the managing agents not being responsive and boards not being able to get back to you. That's really what's kind of going on behind the scenes. That's your favorite thing in the business, isn't it, Rachel? <laughs> it's one of my favorites, Ivy. Yeah, good girl. One of my pet peeves, too. So anyway, um, Happy New Year to all of my Jewish friends and Shana all of our Tova. Jewish listen- listeners out there. Shana Tovaz, right? And uh, so let's move on. So 14 years after the horrific events of 9-11, which I just talked about, Lower Manhattan is dramatically different. From the immediate months after the tragedy to the concerted revitalization, revitalization efforts in the years that followed, and onto the boom and bust cycle of the decade to the current boom period that we're in, this slice of downtown, which includes Tribeca, Battery Park City, the Financial District, and Civic Center, has been the subject of much speculation and hopeful curiosity. So how are we doing downtown? On fire. That's a good question for say. Ivy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good for everybody. I'm sure you'd have to be under a rock yeah. to not know that it's booming down there. And we say downtown just for the listening audience. We're referring to Financial District and Battery Park. Is and that right? Tribeca. And Tribeca. And Tribeca. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much anything, you know, um, lower than I'd say 14th Street, including the village. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all the areas that were affected, you know, when the towers came down and housing was kind of, you know, at a standstill for – um, a short period of time, but I remember the days um, of that whole horrible situation. But the market rebounded within six months to eight months, you know, quicker than anybody thought it would. But interestingly, as we just read here, what's really gone on lately is is out of control. I mean, it is a mm-hmm. marketplace that is completely and totally on fire. And I, you know, listen, I, I for one say, you know, I sell everywhere. I love every every neighborhood in New York City as a native New Yorker. But I'm still perplexed with the financial district. And I know, Ivy, you and I have talked about this offline, on the radio, whatever. But yeah, I am completely on. perplexed with why people would want to live. I just think it's so far away. Oh, it's cool down there. I want to say one thing before we start, like in now time, to circle back to right after 9-11, an interesting piece that a lot of people may not know is that a lot of, and for the listening audience and what it is that happened in New York to all of you, of course, is well known, but there's nothing like knowing it from being on the inside, yeah. what that time was like for all of us. We're not going to go into that today, but an interesting thing that happened downtown is a lot of people had to leave. I'm not even talking about businesses right now. I'm speaking about residential. And at that point, the financial district was not booming and happening the way that it is now. But people had incredible deals in lots of spaces that had been um, switched over to residential from commercial, right? And they had incredible deals and they had lofts and they had all this stuff going on. This was before all of the big buildings with the amenities and everything went up. A lot of people had to leave their buildings because they had been so destroyed, i.e. smoke, etc. And then a lot of people left because they were uncomfortable, to say the least. What happened right away is that all of these New Yorkers, I'm quoting the air for those of, the, of you that can't see me, went down there and got incredible rental deals. Because sure. they weren't afraid, you know, it's happened, it's not likely to happen again in the next, you know, whatever. And they moved into these apartments that were half destroyed, and they got unbelievable deals, yeah, crazy deals. And a lot of my friends did this, and they're still living in these apartments. And they signed, like, you know, multiple-year leases. And I just wanted to say that little tip because a lot of people likely thought that look at New York City and think that the financial district was an immediate ghost town, and it's not so. So now into now time. 
No, and I think Phil was about to start. No, with no, that no. I was just, that. I was just listening. But I do remember when I first started in the business in two thousand four, and you'd always, as the broker, you would be the one that would suggest the financial, of course, district, right? Yeah. You would be the one that said. Hey, you know, you really can't get what you want for that amount of money, right. but in the financial district you can, and you'd kind of convince them, and sometimes you do some deals. And then I did notice a, a change where people would come to me and say, "I'd like to live in the financial district," yeah, and so that was so. a big, a big change. And I would say that happened probably a few years after nine eleven. You know, when things started to get going. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, off the heels of what Phil just said, I had that was one of my strategies. I started in two thousand and eight. And a lot of the clients that I was working with, generally renters, would be looking for you know two bedrooms in Gramercy or these other very hot areas. And I'd always show them all the apartments, and then we'd see five to ten things, and they'd be like, ah, we don't really like anything. And I always had two appointments at the end, always scheduled in the financial <laughs> districts. And I would always say, look, call me crazy, but let's just do this. Looking's free. I have one neighborhood that I want to show you. And I can't tell you how many deals I've done off of that because yeah. the space that you would get down there um, is, is incredible. And on that point, Niall, the bro or the landlord often paid the broker sure. fee, right? Yeah. So you'd be telling them, oh, oh right, almost, almost, almost always, always, especially at that time. Yeah. So you'd be telling these clients, oh, and by the way, another bonus is you don't have to pay my fee because the landlord does, which yeah. in Manhattan is rare. And All right, guys, yeah. we have to go to break. We are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back for segment two. We've got Phil Horrigan, Rachel Altschuler. Now Lundgren and uh, Ivy Ray. So you have heard horror stories about raising your kids in the big bad city, but don't believe the hype all the time. In fact, bringing up a baby in the urban jungle gives you some distinct advantages over your parental counterparts in the suburbs. What are some of these thing? What are some of the things to consider before you flee to either Connecticut or Westchester or elsewhere? Is it really cool to raise a family in New York City? Incredible. Am I the? Uh, are we the only people? Yeah, we're the parents. Okay. We're gonna yak. Okay, yak. Well, you go. You start. Okay, I will say that I, you are in one of the greatest cities in the world. I will follow that up with the diversity and the opportunity is endless. 
And then I'll circle that up with, you have to be creative and open and fluid and motivated and kind of endless yourself. But if you think about it, there's nothing you can't do. You can have a beach party in the middle of January in one of the great pools. You can go see giraffes on Thursday. You can make a regular thing. Let's go like people watching today, and you sit at your favorite cafe, you put in, you know, kids love regularity, right? Uh, my counterpart over here, Phil, is a new parent, so he's going to have a different perspective on this. But I raised my son in New York City, and at one point we did leave and take him out and brought him back all the time. And then I brought him back right when I sussed that the age was really good for him to be back. But there's nothing you can't do from popping them in to see jazz, from taking them to the best book launches with the best authors in the world, from taking them to African dance class. And I mean, one-timers. And then the playdates that you can do creatively are endless. I mean, it just, from my perspective, it doesn't get any better. And then you have to also, within an hour, you've got them in the ocean or in the mountains. You've got them fly fishing or you've got, it is Well, the proximity to out-of-city locations is great. I could be more But let me ask you something about, you know, the the so-called American dream. Everybody thinks, you know, most people who don't live in urban centers like, like we do, the American dream is the house, the white picket fence, the dog running around in the backyard, the kids going to school, the school bus, all that stuff. I mean, so how does this differ? Well, I did that. Then mm-hmm. at one point we left and we had the yard and we had the fence and we had the acres and we mm-hmm. had the vegetable garden and we had the lakes mm-hmm. and we had the climbing and we had five dogs <laughs> and we kept coming and bringing them back into the city. Because if you only raise, you know, the down, I guess there's pros and cons to everything and I don't want to take this whole conversation yeah. up. But no, I, but I just wanted to say because, you know, I think, um, again, the American dream, people want to be in in that kind of environment. And most of the, our listeners around the world live outside of urban centers and in that type of housing. Mm-hmm. But Phil, my question to you yeah. is, you know, what? Mm-hmm. why did you and your wife decide to stay here in the right. city? Because, and are you going to? And are you going to? Right. Yeah, all good questions. Uh, we both love the city. So we, I, I've now lived here for almost 15 years. And I think she's been here for maybe 11, 12 years. So we just love New York City. So we would only leave if we felt like we had to leave. And as real estate agents, we all have seen so many clients have one kid. Maybe they stay, maybe they don't. But that second kid comes and they're out of here, right? <laughs> they had, I mean, how many, let's, we make a lot of money off that, right? Because they, they move to the city and, and they have kids and then they, they leave. And then we make a commission when they leave. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's interesting. I would say that, so I'm in a little bit of a different situation in that my child's only one years old. So I only have perspective. Wow, one? Right, yeah. The perspective from zero to one. I'm flying. And it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. So with just one child, so what are the issues when you have a kid? Space and money. That's what people always complain about. There's not enough space and it's too expensive to raise children. And, in the city, and, and right? rec- recreation. I mean, you've got to recre- keep them busy. Well, recreation, but I will say, so the recreation piece is amazing. So it on is. the Upper West Side, which every neighborhood's different, there are, I mean, we are probably five minutes from five different playgrounds. Mm-hmm. We have Riverside Park a block away, yeah. Central Park four blocks away. There's a children's museum that we can go to, which is amazing. There's a natural, there's the, the bigger museums, the adult museums that we can go to. So like Ivy said, there really is a lot you can do. Uh, With space, I could see where if we do have another child, it could be tough. And then Mm -hmm. the rents go up and Mm -hmm. it could be a challenge. So that's where we'll have to make a decision. So your question, will will we stay? 
I don't know. That remains to be seen, but so far we're loving it, and it's mm-hmm. so easy. And the other thing I'll mention, you don't have a car, which you may think is a negative. We think it of it as a huge positive. I mean, we just go downstairs. We walk five minutes here, five minutes there, and we're always walking. We're not going in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an amazing roof deck that we go up to. We have a great playroom. It's it's really, uh, it's, so far it's been amazing, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of in the middle on, on that issue, both sides. I see the, the, the absolute benefits of living and raising kids here in the city, and then I also see, and maybe because I'm getting older and I've done all this for 30 years, whatever. You're getting older, Vince? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> That, you know, my patience level is, is a little <laughs> different. So, I don't know. Maybe the suburbs are looking in, you know, where you you come from now. Yeah. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, so on the heels of that, okay, so, you know, say you do stay in the city and your kids become teenagers. I was reading something this week. In New York, teens and preteens are becoming very savvy connoisseurs of real oh. estate. Okay, so perhaps it's because they're so utterly at home on the internet. Perhaps it's because they're lured by online images of condo amenities, like Phil was just talking about, like an indoor pool or a children's playroom, or because they're fans of mil- uh, Million Dollar Listing New York on Bravo TV. Or maybe it's because it's become business as usual for children in certain precincts of Manhattan to participate in family decisions. <laughs> do you see this in your in your in your customer set? I mean, I do, and I have taken clients out recently where. The teenagers were seemingly calling the shots, and I thought, "Do you have any stories? Where how do I dumb down the- my presentation <laughs> to deal with this?" I know it's a whole That's different right. ball game. I whole had someone; they, they were buyers, and they buyers, uber yeah. wealthy and lovely people. We had a blast. We looked at everything on the market, and of course, all of you know, you especially Vince, that there when you get buyers that want to live, want to stay Upper West. Uh, and they have these things that they want. They have the little box that they want to live in, and there's very little inventory. It's like a right? one-block radius. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah, we need to be right near Fiorella's and Lincoln Center, and we need to be, you know, <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. So anyway, I showed them everything there was. Nothing was right, and then they, it, at one point, we went out of the box a little and then out of the box further, which I'm kind of good at, you know, squeezing people out, showing them how. Long story short, we finally get that we have that conversation that no broker ever wants to hear that I think we're going to remain renting, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I'm here for you, and you're going to kind of have the same a similar scenario, trying to find the perfect place as a renter within your box. So we start doing that. I show them everything that's on the market. I get the phone call that, and it was an agreement. You know, I'm their broker. They're not going outside. They might look a little on their own with the renting thing. It was fine thing. There's a snowstorm. Did people out there hear that? So we just had a big sound, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I get the phone call. No, one, no broker ever wants to get their 12-year-old daughter found their apartment. <laughs> Seven bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Seven mean, bedrooms. Yeah. Like w- oh. one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Wow. Forever. How'd in, she find in, it? That's what I want to know. Uh, she was tooling on the internet at like 11 o'clock at night when she was supposed to be asleep. She found their apartment. I was representing a very, 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 very wealthy man maybe two years ago, fairly well known in this town. And um, his son was probably, he was in boarding school but home for recess, maybe 16, maybe 17 years old. And I had to run every apartment selection or choice by the son before we could schedule an appointment to go and see it. Absolutely. Kid was, kid was bright. Kid was right on it. He was all over it. He knew exactly what was going on. He picked perfect places. Did you negotiate oh. your commission as well? <laughs> Rachel, do you have any no. of these stories? But I bought him a nice closing gift. I, I mean, yeah, I have. I, I, I'm on like Vince's side here where I, I'm on both sides and I see 
my clients who will do anything to stay in the city, especially Brooklyn, I'm finding clients just renting, buying things that need a complete renovation just to stay in Brooklyn, to be in the pool um, of their choice. And then I'm finding a lot of my clients are priced out, and so they're now entertaining Westchester City and yeah. Long Island because they yeah. just refuse to live in a small two-bedroom or one-bedroom. Well, as Phil was indicating earlier, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I really see it all, and I think ultimately it comes down to the current sales market or the current rental market, and it comes down to finances. So if you have a husband and wife and one is freelancing and it's not a consistent um, income, they may feel more inclined to leave the city because they just can't substantiate a mortgage of, you know, 4000 plus. So it really is all over the map. I think it's really interesting to see a lot of changes in the city um, becoming more child-friendly. Um, I'd like to see more pet-friendly, but that's another topic. But I do find that it is very convenient to raise your children in the city. It's just very easy. You can walk everywhere. If I had children one day, I'd be tempted to do both. I, I don't even know what I would do. It's, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I live in a very family-oriented um, neighborhood on the Upper West Side, as you all know, and my building has lots of kids. And what warms my heart sometimes in the morning is, especially on Tuesday mornings when I'm coming here earlier than usual to the radio studio, you know, we're riding down West End Avenue and we're behind or in front of school buses and parents are putting kids on the bus and you just feel like you're in the suburbs. And I guess to your points, Ivy and, and, and uh, Phil, there are lots of things to do, and you know it, it. It it becomes a regular lifestyle. And when I see the school buses in the morning, and I see the little kids with their little uniforms on or whatever they're <laughs> they're wearing, depending on the schools they're going to, it's kind of cute, you know. And it's kind of you know family, and you feel like okay, so you're living in this big old city, but yet there's so much more mm-hmm. than what people on the outside see. Unfortunately, and I can go on a rant with this, and I won't, but unfortunately, most people outside of New York City see us as Times Square and see us as all those flashing lights and all that hoopla in Times Square, they don't understand that, you know, there are real neighborhoods that we live in and the Upper West Side is mine being one of them. But when they look at New York on TV, they see Times Square, they see all the hustle and bustle, they hear about the Broadway shows, they, they, they want to come here and their incentive is to go to all these Broadway shows. And when they get here, they just walk around the streets with all the cameras up in the air and flashing pictures and whatever. And I think, okay, so people have to do that, I guess. But that's the perception of New York outside of Manhattan and outside of the boroughs. <clears throat> but it really isn't what New York is all about. So it's great to see and to hear that our customers, and even as Rachel just said, you know, they they sometimes are torn between leaving and staying, and it really becomes a financial situation or a space situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the decisions or usually to stay are good. Which, you know, I we're going to maybe... It's important to note, too, that as a broker, uh, due to fair housing, we are not able to help our clients, our buyers, as much as we want to help them. So, if, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. if a client says to us, you know, what's the, the school for Park Slope? You know, we have to be very careful in how we guide them, and I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. So, when they ask us if we can send them a website that can help them, you know, we don't want to come across as not being helpful, but we truly aren't able to answer those questions relating to children in school. 
Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next segment, but that's a very good point because we are bound by our fair housing uh, rules. But um, there are ways around that where people can do yeah. their own research and they can come up with you know their own comments or their own mm-hmm. thoughts on neighborhoods and then present to us you know, mm-hmm. exactly where they want to be. But in, in the next segment, we'll talk about it because we're running out of time here. But I wanted to find out in, or actually ask, what is the process that some of these parents actually go through to come up with the right selection of schools and the right selection of neighborhoods? So let's hold a thought. We'll be back right after these messages. Uh, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Everybody, we're back for our segment three, and we were just talking about schools and about uh, selection of neighborhoods that parents have to go through if they decide they're going to stay here and raise their children. Now, as Rachel pointed out earlier, we are bound by our fair housing rules here in New York State. We cannot suggest schools. We cannot suggest locations um, for obvious reasons, so they have to come to us. But on the radio, we're free to talk about, you know, what some people yeah. go through mm-hmm. uh, to make that selection. So, you know, my question is, when when you get a new buyer and, and they say, okay, so we want to, you know, find the right neighborhood uh, for the, with the right schools for our kids to, to go to and grow up in, what process do you see them going through? As Rachel said, we can, we can suggest Things like go to the website, go to the internet, look up neighborhoods, look up schools, you know, mm-hmm. make your determination, whatever. But so when they come back to you with questions, how do you help them negotiate, navigate through the right selection process for a neighborhood and or a school? So we're speaking about not actually living in New York and being parents, but we're talking about being brokers with our potential, with our clients. Correct. Okay. Correct. So I, you know, we we are bound and yet within all boundaries, there's... Tremendous freedom, dare I say that. They're going to mm-hmm. start come watching me. But, you know, the Internet is an endless, a wealth of possibility. And most neighborhoods now, and I can and do recommend that 
um, potential clients meet with parents, and I know a lot of parents. And if I tend to roll in a neighborhood on a regular basis, I, I know these parents. So I set up meetings so people can discuss parent, different individuals and their experience of schools. The internet is an, an, an unending source. And now with the way things go, you've got all kinds of comments with even with schools like you do with doctors and people's happiness. And people can also, no matter if your child is six months old, you always have access at certain times of years to going and meeting, touring schools and meeting with principals and meeting with faculty. And, you know, as a parent, it's really a very kind of personal fit as to what it is you're seeking. And I just always recommend it's never too early to, to begin to consider because if you're going to go with public schooling, which is a beautiful way to go, um, you have to live in the district of the school. So, you know, well, you, you get it. You start looking for a place before kindergarten's going to happen and you make that move. Well, there's that big decision or that big that choice love. between the uh, public school and the private school scenario here in mm-hmm. town. And I got to tell you something. It's probably split evenly down the line with some parents not even considering the public schools and other parents only considering, you know, uh, private schools. And you're right. You know, it, it comes down to choosing the district that the school is in where you could live. Now, I, I had a buyer. that We actually suspended our search, a very expensive buyer. Uh, we uh, um, suspended our search for another year uh, because we were looking this past summer in, in a very specific neighborhood for a very specific school that happened to be a public school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody who has children going to school in that neighborhood or anywhere else, you know, it limits the inventory because everybody wants to buy an apartment in I that same area. I bet there's two neighborhoods. I, I bet I know which two I could choose from for you. And it was but. very difficult to find, so they can they decided to stay where they were for another year, and then we'll pick this up probably in the springtime and into next summer uh, and in hopes for the the September of sixteen start of school year, but you know it's very. So my point is, you can find the neighborhood, or you can decide decide on what the school district is. But as brokers, it's a very challenging job for us to be able to now narrow down the search of places for them to see, because mm-hmm. there aren't going to be very many of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what people outside right. of New York City don't understand. They think, well, it's Manhattan, it's Bron- it's Brooklyn, it's whatever. There are multiple, multiple, multiple hundreds of apartments available to see. That isn't so. We have a very limited inventory of apartments here in New York City. And so when you get to the larger size apartments for the family mm-hmm. size people, um, it's increasingly more difficult because they're very highly coveted. One, uh, one thing you just reminded me of, I was not, thankfully not, I was not involved in this, but there was a, a client of mine, but before, before we started working together, she wound up suing a broker because he pushed her into an apartment building where the boundary for the school district yeah. was on the other side of the street. Correct. So because of that, and he said, no, no, if, you, if you're in this building, then you definitely will be oh. in the correct school district. And it was on the wrong side of the street. Did and she wow. win? I, you know, I, I, I think it was settled, so I don't know. It was a you know, settlement. Phil is oh. absolutely correct because I'm not going to reveal the neighborhood, but I, with the client I just described to you, we were in that neighborhood, and, and the wife kept saying to me, do you remember that story about the wrong side of the street? Let's just make sure we're on the right side of the street. So you can oh. imagine how gray the hair got and how it stood up even higher than it, than it always does because it's really crazy. Yeah. On the other side of the street is another school district. I 
so remember that story, and she reminded me of it yeah. many times. Yeah. So you got to be careful. That that's one of the reasons why I like our fair housing rules because I don't want to get involved with that right. stuff. You pick it out. You tell me where you want to go, and right. I will happily find places right. that meet. You know those and criteria. those boundaries change too. Yes, they do. So the school boundaries See, that's change. The scary thing. You yeah. can put somebody in someone right. something, yeah. and then the boundary can change. Right. And they are no longer in the school district. Terrible. <laughs> what about one last thought on on the on the children and raising kids here in the city? But what about the scenario where the parents make the decision to stay? They they want to find bigger space. They can afford to. They want to. The kids don't want to leave. And they end up leaving because they can't find the space. So they can't stay where they are, but yet they can't find a new place to either rent or to purchase. How many times do we see that? It happened to us. Our decision to leave the city when we did, we had gone through pre-K, which in itself is a big deal in Manhattan. So this is, Absolutely. you know, everyone knows what pre-K is for. You, you put your kid in something, some sort of hopefully brilliant program where they're getting socialized and they're learning things even before kindergarten starts, which I thought was rather insane. And it's, an, it's actually an incredible thing to do. You're not required by law to do that. But then we went through the same scenario of, okay, what's our school? We found our school. Let's see if we can get a home. And there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And it just comes up before you know it. At the time, I wasn't a broker. So I wasn't savvy to the reality of you know, how, how challenging this circumstance can be. We were sitting on the fence, but we hopped on the other side with the school thing. And it's why we left, making a commitment to be back every week. And we were. We were almost in we were in New York half as much you know, as much as we were where we were living, mm. which was out in the country in an incredible place. Well the good in an news, unbelievable school. Well the good news in, in, in this city, there are so many suburbs that are within thirty minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes and an hour away where you're not so tucked away, you're not so far away that you can even commute into as the parent to come to work every day, which no one really once once you live in the city, no one really wants to commute from outside mm-hmm. in. But then you think about sometimes it takes you a half an hour from uptown to go downtown anyway. So you exactly. might as well sit on Metro North and that. take 20 Both minutes of us ago. Commuted. My husband commuted. <laughs> Absolutely. Time. And my son came in all the time. Yeah. We just made it happen. And I got to tell you something. You get some quality reading time and sleep time and whatever, yes. a nap time, whatever mm-hmm. you need, whatever. Okay, let's move on to my favorite my favorite New York City. That's taxi cabs. Oh, yeah. At oh, first, oh. it <laughs> seemed exciting. the electric car would save the day, but the technology proved inadequate. In 1907 came the first gas-propelled automobile cabs in New York, officially called taxis, due to a friend's French invention installed in the front seat. By the 1930s, the streets were filled with thousands of taxi cabs. During the Great Depression, cab drivers fought against plunging fares and even waged a strike in Times Square. In 1937, Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia debuted uh, the medallion system as a way to keep the streets regulated. I was surprised that it went back that far. But by the 1970s, many cab drivers faced an upswing of crime that made picking up passengers even more dangerous than dealing with bad traffic. Drivers began ignoring certain fares, mainly from minority groups, which gave rise to the neighborhood livery cab system. Today, New York taxicab fleets face a different threat with Uber on the rise and several other private app-based transportation services. So, you know, I know this is a hot button, and I know this is a, a lot of whatever, but will the taxi industry raised, rise to the challenge in time for the debut of the taxi of tomorrow? Or will these app Taxis, as I call them, the Ubers of the world, the Lyfts of the world, and and the the whatevers of the world, are they going to take over? I think they already are. 
right? Yeah. So they are rising to the challenge. I think the 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 good thing about having the Ubers and the Lyfts of the world that are in Manhattan and other places around the country is that they're they're creating these older archaic you know taxicab systems or whatever sector we're talking about to to change and adapt to what's happening. So um, the taxicabs have adapted a hail uh, system. It's called Aro, which is the uh, which is the app that you could download. Um, it's in I think it's still in beta testing, but it's being used right now. And I'm not sure if you guys have been in the taxis recently, but you'll see that that commercial on the screen just yep. looping here and there. Mm. And it's very simple, just like an Uber. The advantage is there is that there's no surge pricing, so that's where that's where it's Uber great. really kills you. And great. I was a fan of Uber until you know I was just getting murdered three on times the price, price. Yeah, yeah, on surge pricing. So the mm-hmm. the advantage of that is that now the taxi cabs are adapting to this. Mm-hmm. Right, there's no mm-hmm. surge pricing. Mm-hmm. They're allowing people to you know literally be in their apartment use the app click a button have the app, have the taxi come they get right in it's paperless you pay your 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 fare and your tip through the app you don't have to spend mm. time on the credit cards etc and the good thing that they that they also are marketing is if you lose something like a, a wallet or keys you could easily identify which through the app which cab it was mm-hmm. and then just click it and then you can get the you know whatever you lost returned so a little bit of a lost and found aspect to it but i think that that's the good thing is that at the end of the day the taxi cab industry has to change. A lot of industries right. have to change, and having these these newer, fresher things come in with crazy prices allows allows right. the taxi cab industry to kind of flourish. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not seeing, I'm, saying it's going to yet, but but it's, it's happening. It's but isn't there news that you deliver? And I'm, it's I'm I agree, but but isn't there fear though that as all of these surging type of car services now are out there, that the taxi cab industry, the yellow taxi cab, as we're talking about. Are they raising their prices because they say, "Hey, listen, if if, mm. if these guys are getting it, why can't I get it?" Because I think I this think is so. where the laws of competition come into play yeah. so well. Like, like I think if anything, what's going to happen is if that app uh, Nile is successful, then what's going to happen is that Uber's going to have to lower their prices. That's actually what I think is they're more, actually already more doing likely. that, yeah. right? So there's the Via, which is crowd right. sh- crowd, you know, driving right. or whatever is this it is, Uber? And, and now. What? Via is not Uber. These are different well, companies. Via is a different company. Via is a, d- a different company. Yes. But Uber also has the, the carpooling. You know, you can go. Uber carpool. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's like $5, very similar oh, to Oh, they Via. do? I yeah. didn't know that. But yeah, now they're having to come down on mm-hmm. their pricing. So it's it's the great. competitive yeah, market. And, and I look at it like a great analogy is the post office, like the U.S. post office sure. competing with FedEx and you know UPS, you yeah. know, and and look, let's, they made the U.S. post office a lot better, you know. So I, exactly. I think it's only a good thing, um, and I think it's great for the consumer. Now let me ask it this way: okay. <laughs> We're because not getting I, where he wants us to because go. I know that everybody is very kind of like you know people get religious about their yellow taxis. I think Ivy brought this I up am, yeah. the last time we talked about this on the show. I called them the landmark to quote myself. <laughs> well, <laughs> quoting you know, yourself—that's incredible. Yeah, I know. Aren't I sick? Oh but man! That, and you know, I, that's how serious I take them. And I and I and I understand it. I'm a New Yorker, as we've always discussed. But but you know, there comes a point in time where Niall just said they've got to come on board with learning you know the new ways i was in a cab the other day and i said you know come down he was coming down west End avenue cross on 65th please uh whatever he moans and I, I said okay fine so my head is in my phone as usual by 60th street i realized he didn't cross at 65 i said where are you going he said you want to go to 52nd street i said do you think for one minute you're going to cross from west end avenue to broadway and 52nd street cross town he said yeah why not I said, well, because it's 8 o'clock in the morning and crosstown traffic already is crazy. And I'm going through this whole logical explanation to him, and I thought, what? Do you, I mean, why? Right. So he decides not to 
to, to turn on 52, but he turns on 57th Street. $28 later, uh. I arrive in this building from the Upper West Side. I wanted to kill him. See, these are the things that— So what did you do, Vince? I had to pay and get out. I recently didn't pay somebody. I said, I'll give you half the fare. The same thing just happened to me, and I had a really important meeting. I sat in the cab, and I went, okay, before I got in, I leaned through the window now because I'm blown away at how many people, whether it's Uber or Via or New York City cabs that don't know how to drive. They don't know the city. So I said, I have something very simple to do. I'm going from A to B. Mm -hmm. This the time of day. I'm from New York. This is how I want to get there. Are you cool on that? Three cabs later, I had a guy that knew how to do what I wanted. You guys, there were three turns, and one was through the park. So I get in that cab, and I'm, then I'm head, head in the phone, writing notes to myself because I have a meeting I wasn't quite prepared for. And I look up, and he hadn't done it. Mm -hmm. And so I made him take the next you know, possible left that we could to get across the park. We got there, and I said, okay, here's how it's going to be. I'm paying you half the fare. What do you mean? Is he starts screaming at me. I gave him the money, and I said, have a good day. You should listen. I just was beside, beside myself. All right, we have to take a break. We're coming back for the last segment in a few seconds. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. So um, on the heels of talking about staying in the city, leaving the city, I read a, a very interesting uh, piece in, on Brick Underground, which is an online um, uh, real estate um, site. And Brick Underground wrote a story about why a one lifelong New Yorker is thinking about leaving it all behind. And we're not talking about parents with young kids. We're talking about someone who's been here for a very, very long time. He says, let me get my New York City bona fides out of the way. He was born and grew up in Queens. His father and his parents were born his father and his parents were born and lived in Manhattan before decamping for the Bronx. His mother came from uh, Europe in the early 1930s when she was nine and she died at 85, a devoted New Yorker never having lived anywhere else in America. And let me also say that I know I am in an enviable position. I own the one bedroom West Village co-op that's been my home or his home for over 20 years. 
His mortgage has been paid off. His monthly maintenance doesn't come close to what he would pay in rent for lesser digs anywhere in the five boroughs, but yet he feels it's time to go. I'm assuming the, the the person's in his 50s or 60s. I don't need they didn't really say, you know, how old he was. What's that about? And does the New York City lifestyle eventually get to get you to the point where it's time to move on like this guy? Um so I haven't had that experience happen too much, but he, uh there's a few reasons why people leave from my experience, I guess working with clients. One would be oh, I just can't find a man or a woman to be in a relationship with. I've actually had that one a few times. People get fed and up with we, the love life. And, and the we talked about the sex in the city and the love life yeah. stuff right. last week. So I've, I've had that one, and they just leave the city. They're just like tired of the dating life, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've had people leave because of a new job. That happens all the time. I got a new job somewhere, and, and we're, we're leaving the city. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think that one has, has happened. Um, those are probably the two. And then I do get people, sometimes they're sick of the weather. I get that too. People are just tired of the weather here in the city. It's too cold. I hate Mm -hmm. the winters. I get that. And, um, and then sometimes the hustle and bustle gets the people after a while. Yeah. I am finding exactly what you're um, talking about. And it's happened maybe three times in the last six months. Mm -hmm. I'll get invited to, you know, some event and or you know we're all watching something collectively the Grammys or something at somebody's house and I end up in really select beautiful company because one of my friends is big in the industry of whatever it is that I'm talking about and I've heard it a few times from lifer New Yorkers born and raised mm-hmm. top photographers top music producer yeah. and another artist so this is all in the arts but they've all lived here their whole lives you know every industry has changed. So being a photographer has changed greatly. If you are a big producer in the music, you know, all industries have changed. Um, well, also, we can all work from home. And that's, that's the yes. thing. All right, that's a good one. So you can go so, with that next. That is a really good one. But I'll just finish the, in just saying these people are leaving. And we've had this dialogue on the show before. And you know how I feel about it. And I know how you feel about it, Vince. New York City is rapidly changing. So those of us that are older school, I'll say, and grew up here or have been here a really long time, the old New York is pretty gone. And those that were born and raised here are just done. And and they want to go. Yeah. Well, and as Rachel just said, you know, you can work from home. I was going to bring that up too. I was just out of the city for almost a whole month in August, as you all know. Um, the show was on break for a little bit. Um, and I found, you know, I wasn't missing a beat, you know, between the laptop and the iPad and the iPhone – I was totally connected to my business partner, totally connected to my clients, was able to review, you know, board package. I I could do anything but show an apartment, and that's what, you know, I would rely on Shane to do for me in my absence when I can't be feet on the street. So, you know, and spending a month out of the city, it also occurred to me that, you know, so maybe this isn't so far-fetched after 30-plus years here. And maybe, you know, and I I could never be that far away, but, you know, because I always will work in real estate here um, or radio, whatever, or both. So someplace that's not that far away, that's easily commutable, a better quality of life maybe? I don't know. I, I, you know, I read this story and I thought, wow, this takes me back to just a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about this stuff, being away for a month mm-hmm. in Connecticut, tucked away sort of, but you know, having a great time enjoying it all and not being stressed, really, really being unplugged. Yeah, yeah, and a lot I think of the yin, the yin and the yang of it all. And, and I think a lot of true New Yorkers like myself uh, as we get older, I'm finding that I am in search of finding that balance. And so leaving the city for me 
because I work so hard every day, all day, I do need to leave the city. And I think a lot of people um, in my circle feel the same way, whether it's a second home, whether it's moving to Westchester and commuting, like my one friend who just had a baby who moved to Hartsdale. um, It really is, I think, especially after September 11th, circling back to that, we all are in search of finding that balance. And if, if New York is just too intense for you, which it can be for most people, you do feel the need to leave it as much as possible, if not on a full-time basis. I think, I think the word you just used, balance, Rachel, says it all for me anyway. I think when I was younger, in my 20s and 30s, I didn't really care about balance. I was all over the place running you know, headstrong into this job or that job and, and killing it and wanting to be the best at whatever I did. And fortunately, I always sort of somehow achieved that. But I didn't care about balance. But then I got into my 40s and now 50s, and I'm like, okay, so you know what? Balance makes mm-hmm. all the difference in the world to me. I need mm-hmm. to be balanced because I function better, I work better, I focus better, mm-hmm. I get the, I get everything done that needs to get done, but I have to have that balance. Mm-hmm. Hello. And yeah. so maybe yeah. that that hiatus in August outside of Manhattan, or maybe it's the, the part-time residence or the second home, as Rachel said, is the answer for me. Because uh, mm-hmm. I sometimes say after you know going on and on and on about whatever, I don't know that I could ever leave this place full-time. Uh, so maybe it is a second home in Westchester. It is in Connecticut. Who knows? But mm-hmm. that would provide the balance, I think, uh, that I need to continue to have for myself. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think we all go through different stages and different decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when I was younger, I balance. Who cares? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, where am I going like next? The, Bouncing off the like wall. The stimulation that, that attracts everybody to New York City is the same reason that people find that they need to leave because there is so mm-hmm. much stimulation. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, too much of a good thing will take you down. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, exactly. I have always been the the knower of my own personal need for balance. So I was in the music industry forever, and that was a very intense life. And I performed six nights a week, and mm-hmm. people were always in my, you know. And the way that I survived that at a really young age was to meditate. And at the time, I was a runner. So I've never not been without it. And now as a New Yorker, I would have a gun to my head if I didn't get to the mountains or the beach on a rather regular basis. I leave even if it's an overnight so I can get up and go climbing at 7 Mm -hmm. a.m., have an incredible day, make food, spend the night, Mm -hmm. be under the stars, and come back and get ready for Monday. You know, know, unfortunately for me, my family is not that far out of the city up in Westchester, so I get to get out of the city, you know, often enough or whenever I want to. And it's that balance, you know, is fine. I also, you know, look forward to the the gym every morning, except on Tuesday mornings. Mm -hmm. But um, because I think that keeps, Mm -hmm. helps keep you in balance and helps keep you focused and helps keep you Ready, willing, and, and able to do. Listen, you know, I don't want this conversation to be a downer. We, you know, we sell New York. We love New York. Real estate is our life. And it's really probably, somebody said it earlier in the program, one of the greatest cities. It is the greatest city in the world to to live in and to work in and to play in. But, you know, after a while, just like any other huge, big, urban center, it gets a little cuckoo sometimes. So you've got to find avenues to kind of unplug and plug in and and, and take some downtime, swim in a pool, go to the beach, yep. hike in the mountains, um, you know, whatever it is, run. Uh, we have beautiful parks here in the city. So, you know, and I have a dog, so we are oftentimes in Riverside Park. So that makes it easy to just breathe the fresh air yesterday and today. Unbelievable outside mm. here in New York oh, City. It makes you really say, this is why I love New York. The weather is magnificent. It's absolutely unbelievable. 
Anyway, we are running out of time. I just wanted to say that I'm going to be appearing at the New York City Expo for 2015 um, at the New York Hilton Hotel on November 11th, moderating a, a panel on new developments and how we have changed the face of this city over the past few years, gone from old-time neighborhood, pre-war, established buildings and and some post-war buildings from the 50s and 60s, now to glass towers that we read about all (laughs) over the place. And people are starting to wonder, what is our landscape going to look like in the next three to five years, seven to ten years? So we're going to be talking about that on my panel November 11th at the New York Hilton. I will be giving you a lot more information on that as the weeks go by. That is all we have for today. Uh, That's Good Morning New York for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Time Live. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Rach. Bye. Love you all. Bye. Bye, Bye, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.